Thank you for tuning in to the First Gen Hunter Podcast, the go-to resource for those seeking to establish a foundation in hunting knowledge, skills, and tactics. It is so good to be back on the airwaves. It is a Tuesday evening. Just got home from work. It was a hot one today. Um, I don't know about you guys there in Michigan, but we uh, it, it was 90 degrees in the shade today. So uh, mm. how was it there? We this is not yeah, not we were, quite that hot. Yeah, we we're uh, we've been pretty warm. Uh, today was a little bit of a reprieve, but it, the humidity is so high that it it's 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 been tough to work outside. Yeah. Yep. Yep. Yeah. yeah to, Tony can. Um, feel my pain a little bit you're a construction guy right and yeah. uh, so you're outside all day in the summers i i am a uh, farmer and so uh, i spend a lot of time outside too it, all my time outside pretty much <laughs> but <laughs> but uh yeah it was it was a uh, it was a hot one today but it's good to be outside still and you know summer is my least favorite season um but as I drive around the countryside this time of year, all the colors are starting to pop. You know, all the all the corn is headed out. It's got its tassels on, and and uh, you see that contrast of green and yellow. And I don't know, you just kind of start to feel that slow build towards hunting season. And uh, the guy that we have on this episode, if you've been a longtime listener, you might have already recognized his voice. Is Tony Treach, and Tony is uh, probably got one of the most hardcore falls lined up year after year for uh hunting season so uh i imagine you're uh counting down the days here uh pretty hard right now tony because uh you're well you're probably getting close to your scouting season now aren't you now that it's august yeah yeah i actually probably well today's august 1st i had a tag that started today and i actually returned Whoa, really yeah uh, I, re- oh, I returned right. three tags this year. Um, really? It, it started out really slow drawing tags, and it uh, kind of finished with a – like a, there was tags coming from everywhere, and I found a landowner voucher that I wanted. So um, I took the took a couple of the tags that were a little less important, and I returned them and focused on working and making money to – for that voucher <laughs> well well uh that's good that's that, yeah that's a good problem to have too many tags um so you know we're gonna rip this one right away here we're gonna have uh we're gonna have tony tell us a just an elk story just to get everyone in the mood this is con- a continuation of our elk series that alex and i uh started what was that Alex two weeks ago with uh, Cody Idol, and uh, Cody gave us some great stories. Which, by the way, if you haven't listened to that episode yet, you I know it's those it's are a, crazy stories. Yes, it's an elk, <laughs> it's an elk episode, but there are two wild bear stories in there. I'll just leave it at that. You got to go back and listen to. It. I think it's like episode one fifty six, something like that. But uh, go back, check it out. I mean, just two of the wildest stories you'll you'll hear. Uh, but. Tony is a guy who has hunted all over the place, really all over the West mostly, but how many, I mean, just for sake of putting it into perspective, how many States do you think you've hunted? Do you have a, a, a number in your mind through the mm. years? No, no, I don't. <laughs> I've never added that up. Uh, I don't apply on the West coast or the, the Pacific coast. So California, Washington, Oregon, 
I think are the only states I haven't been to and I don't have a plan to go. Sure. Visit them. So, yeah. Yeah. Before I did the, the the Mountain West thing, I did the the Midwest thing, and I travel Illinois, Iowa, Kansas, Ohio, uh, Indiana, and, and sleep in farmers' barns. So it's there's a few states in between. I've never hunted Missouri, uh, hmm. I've never hunted Dakotas, hmm. uh, Arkansas, and that, that might be it. Wow, that's crazy. So you've you've done the East Coast thing there awesome. too, huh? No, 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 I'm not, I'm not, I don't oh, want yeah, to, yeah, not, nothing on, the, nothing on East. No, okay, I don't even gotcha. want to be here where I'm at. I want to be West. <laughs> <laughs> gotcha. Gotcha. Yeah. Yeah. That's a, it's a totally different ball of wax wherever you are in, in, uh, you know, the country. And if you go mm-hmm. way up Northeast, uh, that's, that's a whole new, whole new beast up there. And, uh, uh, Brad Willie, uh, from, well, formerly White Mountain Buck Trackers. Now he's with uh, Bigwood Bucks. He can uh, tell you all about that. You can go and listen to some of those episodes too. But tonight we're going to talk about the West because that is what Tony has really honed in on here in the last uh, – how many years have you been doing this now, Tony? Uh, so I, th- I think I was started traveling in the Midwest in my early 20s. And in about, I think it was probably about 10 years ago, uh, 10, 11, 12 years ago, I was seeing all these big mule deer in Kansas and mm-hmm. that was what first gave me the, the, the itch. And it's, you know, and it's really hard to draw a tag there. And when I first started hunting Kansas with my buddies, we were, we, they were rifle guys. So I was with a rifle and you can't, a non-resident cannot get a Kansas rifle tag. You have to go archery. Sure. Eventually they mm-hmm. kind of pittered out and went away and I started hunting archery and I, I, I quenched that thirst. But in the meanwhile, I just was like, well, I have no idea what I'm going to do. Rock slide had just started. And I got on there and uh, rockslide.com was like everything I needed to know about how to, I mean, go out West by yourself. Yeah. And it was terrifying. I had, uh, I mean, I say terrifying because I was alone and I didn't know what that was doing. And yeah. I'm kind of a perfectionist. And for my personality to, to jump into something like that, I'm not a spontaneous type. I'm not, I'm not creative. So I have to have a blueprint in front of me. Same thing at work. Like I, you know, you show me something, that you want built, I can build it. You just tell me to make something up. I'm going to stand there and like scratch my head for until I just go home. <laughs> um, so, so I need to have a plan. And and that part was, was kind of, you know, terrifying. And, and to me, I think that's where rocks, I, whatever, what excelled and it helped me a lot. And that first year I went out and, uh, uh, you know, I shot a, I shot a, a velvet uh, mule, like 170 class uh, mule deer wow. on the fourth day. And I was, top of the world. I packed them out. It was the most painful thing I've ever done because I bought the wrong backpack. And then, uh, two days later I killed my first bull. Uh, you know, I, I went right back in. I left my, you know, my camp and everything and, uh, left there, went to Montana, killed another bull. Um, it was like, well, this, this is easy. This is way easier. <laughs> than the rest. I mean, the white tails, I mean, these, these things I can, I can move in on them. And it was, it, the, the West kind of like, and plus the, the mountains had a pull to me. Uh, I grew up a ski racers, uh, in the Midwest and, you know, our little bumps of hills and, yeah, mountains. Yeah, yeah. and, and so to go out there was just, it, it, I never looked back and, uh, and now it's, you know, it, now it's something where I'm writing a bunch and doing a bunch of podcasts. I'm making films now. I'm actually, since we talked last, I actually gave in and, uh, cause I've been having people ask for years. I mean, uh, some really good videographers, some of the best hunting videographers in the business approached me in 2017 and 18, like, Hey, let me just 
tag along, be a fly on the wall. Wow. You know, your sponsor and my sponsors will will throw us money for this film and will and it'll pay for some some expenses. And I was like, no way. I'm not, I'm not letting you screw up a chance at a big buck. Get out of here. Yeah, yeah. Uh-huh. And 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 eventually my taste got a little too hungry for, you know, that next tag and you know, and I, and I you know, I started buying vouchers whenever I could find one and and I had to pay for them. So yeah. I've been filming the last couple of years and it's uh, hunting out West is it's well put this way. I haven't killed a deer in my home state in, uh, since 2013. Wow. And, wow. Yeah. I mean, and I put up, okay, I'm ready to find one. I mean, I'd, I'd go after one if I found one, but it's, it's, uh, you know, it's. I think I got way off your question. Sorry, but no, no, no. That's uh, good. That's good. I you know, like the that. Western hunting is just. It's. It's. It's what I focus all my time around now. Yeah, you know, with the filming thing, I've almost perceived it as, and, and this is coming from a guy who's only been. I'm now in my this last turkey season, started my ninth hunting season, and it has always seemed to me like this. You know, because everything is like a a progression. You know, when you're learning something, it's like okay, you know, I I did that, and I I feel comfortable now doing this. And it always seems to me that like when you get to the point where you are bringing the film side into your hunt more so than just like mm-hmm. oh, quick pulling up your cell phone to you know get a a few seconds of of footage of a buck running away or something. You know, you're it's a new challenge, almost like somebody who decides to maybe uh, start into archery hunting or then move on to a traditional archery tackle or, or uh, you know, whatever. It's like film is another, another step in upping mm. the ante. Would you feel that way? Oh, it's, it's horrible. Yeah. <laughs> I'm horrible at it. <laughs> I, I'm not good. No, it's, uh, I have some are, friends. Are you filming me. solo or no? Or um, do you always well, have a videographer? The the elk hunt uh, that I that it that was published on Rockslide a couple months ago that was me solo, mm-hmm. um, and that that actually that one turned out. Uh, the last couple years in Kansas and Colorado on the plains uh, for deer archery deer we uh, like I it, some of them turned out okay like I, I filmed uh, and I, I captured uh, my, my partner Blake's buck on film uh, we rattled in or not rattled in. Uh, stalked in and decoyed in uh a uh before he broke off all his brow tens he's like probably 185 bucks and when he killed me <laughs> oh, we got the wow I got the, I okay. the film and it was a 27 yard shot with a with a recurve and we got him but um had let him set overnight and coyotes just stripped him yeah. um yeah. my buck uh the pre that that season my camera froze up or I pushed the wrong button. I'm not sure. Uh, oh. I got the bug, but, and then this past year, my camera literally froze. Like it was the batteries were, were fully fresh. And uh, so like, I didn't, you know, I'm, I'm, it's proving incredibly hard for me to convince myself that to focus on that camera and, yeah. and to double check it before, uh, you know, I move in for the kill shot and, and, you know, in, in the back of my mind, when it went in the moment, I don't care about that camera. I want right. to feel luck, but right, right. It, you know, I have made a commitment to. I need to work on that, so it's you know, it needs yeah. to happen. So, 
No, that's. I'll, I'll agree on that. I, I think I got four hunts videoed, and uh, I don't have a kill shot on any of them. <laughs> it makes you feel better. <laughs> well, they it's say like, that's the hardest thing to get, right? The kill shot. Alone, it's it is, like yeah. even. Yeah. Well, I actually the last one. Uh, I don't know if you watched the last, the second episode, of the uh, the last I had, but my buddy like forgot to hit. He thought he was recording and he wasn't. So I, I remember shoot. when I remember and when you texted me that. <laughs> Uh, like in the video i'm like all right we got a rookie here (laughs) we're going over to the deer and we don't have a shot on camera (laughs) yep yep it's just another it's just another thing that's gotta that's gotta line up for sure and and that's that's everything with hunting is every every aspect of it has to fall into play and when you bring another thing another thing into it it's just bound you're bound to have those miss those mess ups and then yeah batteries like you're saying tony i mean it, you're depending on a chemical reaction and what's what is the w- one universal thing that likes to slow down chemical reaction that's cold or lack of heat and so <laughs> you take away take away heat and your batteries can crap out on you instantly They're toast yep so well so you may have thought of another elk story here we wanted to get to an elk story uh, pretty quick here sure. this one um but i'm really curious now about your first ever elk would you mind telling mm. us that story? <laughs> the first one. Yeah. Yeah. So I was, I was high on life. I had just killed my, my first mule deer in Colorado. And, uh, you know, and anybody who experienced the high alpine early archery hunts in Colorado, I mean, it's just the most beautiful area. Mm. It's the most beautiful place mm-hmm. on earth, I'm, I think. And, uh, you know, packed out the buck, got him into a uh, freezer at a friend, a new friend I just met at that town. Like literally, you know, he saw my truck and he's like, Hey, you're from Michigan. That's, you know, I came here 15 years ago and whatever. So my, my deer was in a freezer safe and sound in, in his garage. And I was like, I got an over the counter elk tag. Let's go. And, uh, That's awesome. and I've been watching elk and I, and I, and I'd seen him when I was, when I was deer hunting, I'm like, I knew where to go. Uh, my tent was still up there. So I hiked up and in and that first morning they, uh, I don't know if someone bumped him or if they just left the, the meadow early, but they were already leaving the meadow bugling before daylight. So I just kept shadowing him, shadowing him, shadowing him. You know, and this is yes, close to 10 years ago. So I'm a lot, a lot younger, a lot thinner. And I was just like, you know, I don't care how far I have to go. I, I'll go all the way to Utah. Let's go. Uh, and I just, I stayed close. And occasionally I get a glimpse of, uh, of, cow, of a cow. And I, and I just kept hearing this bugle. And I didn't, I didn't, wasn't making any sounds. But eventually uh they 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 started to bed and i just started i was still moving through them and i wasn't getting picked off the wind the thermals had switched they were coming up i was above them and uh there was a a young four by four uh perfect the perfect little you know illegal colorado uh elk Mm -hmm. and it was one of the worst shots i've ever made but it was instant death and i was I, i like i don't even know if my pin was anywhere near where it's supposed to be but yeah luckily it worked out and um then the panic set in when you know you have it, you know he's only a two or three year old so i i probably i don't know what's he weigh 500 pounds 550 600 pounds maybe and it's like it's it's 75 degrees the flies are everywhere it's you know it's yeah. warming and i'm like i gotta call packer i'm 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 at least six or seven miles maybe eight and in a beam i i was probably as a crow flies six miles but i was probably eight miles from my tent which was or six mm. miles and another two miles to the to my truck, and I already I had already uh, uh, had a 
the, the Packers name, the local outfitter who's licensed to to do that. And uh, I messaged him, and or I think I got a, actually got a text out, and he said just just give me your coordinates. And wow. uh, I was like, sweet, gave him the coordinates. Went started breaking down the bull. Um, made uh, made you know, and, and that year was uh, and I, some 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 years out out west, the the flies are worse than others but that mm-hmm. first year i've never to this day seen them like they were then mm. i mean like it'd be like cut a piece of meat and just wave your arms and try to keep the flies off Even thousands and thousands of these large black house flies Ugh. and uh, the a uh, guy that helped me pack it out blamed it on the wet summer and spring but it was uh it was it was a i mean it was learning it was the first i mean i had deboned a couple of deer out but you know deboning an elk and getting yeah. all that meat and game bags was was something else and then i i decided you know i i made the first pack down to a trail with meat that i knew he'd get to in my backpack and i had overloaded it because I'm, I'm only going downhill i've only got to go three quarters of a mile to mm-hmm. this major trail and it just crushed me like i said that earlier it's the same backpack that crushed me with that deer and it i'm not going to mention the company's name but it, it was horrible <laughs> So I, I climb back up the hill and I'm just, my legs are trembling and I've got three bags of meat left. Um, one about the same size I just carried. And then two that are like, you know, one's the tenderloins and uh, back straps. So it's probably only 40 pounds. And then uh, the other one's uh, just scraps. So and then the head. Yeah. And I'm like, I'm doing this one trip. So I put the big bag in the backpack and the tenderloins and back straps. So now I've got like <laughs> 120 in there and I've got in one hand, the, the skull because I, I was just going to do a euro mount and uh and they on like a probably a 30 pound bag of meat in the other hand and i start walking down that hill and it didn't take long before i slipped the head goes tumbling antler broken half um, oh yeah well i i got all the pieces he's actually right up above me i can pan the thing <laughs> well that's that's good that's awesome <laughs> um we i glued them back together but so I get, you know, and then I was in a hurry, right? Because I'm like thinking, I don't know how fast this Packer's going to get to this spot. Um, I mean, I'm eight miles from my from my truck. Well, this is, I mean, I had Onyx at that time. And it was the Onyx chip version that went into the, the okay, new GPS. Yeah. Yep. But I wasn't smart okay. enough to know how to use it. Yeah. <laughs> had I, I would have saved myself 450 bucks of plus tip to the Packer because I was so far from my truck and my tent that I was yep. only a mile and a half from the road on the other side of the mountain. And I could have just like staged, staged everything near a creek, hiked out and went around. He was, he, he you know, while, while I was waiting for him, I caped out uh, the, the hair and uh, off the skull of my elk and I just tossed it aside. He shows up like pretty quick. And I was like, wow, you got made great time. He's like, well, yeah, the road's only a mile and a half down there. <laughs> like, oh. you know, like, and then as he gets off his horse, the horse, the horse saw that, that caped out uh, hair from the, the elk. And I didn't. I, mean, I don't have. Much, I didn't have much experience at that time with horses. And that horse saw that, like face of an freaked elk on the ground, and just freaked out. Started bucking oh, in the air. No. <laughs> the other horse was attached to it, and that was the only thing that, that kind of like kept it in. Oh. Otherwise, it'd been back in his truck in ten minutes. Um, <laughs> but yeah, that was my first bull. It was, it was, it was amazing. And then you know, like, uh, th- there was a. I guess a switch went off like like this this is like I like I, I consider myself kind of a, a trophy hunter of and I, whatever I, people can think of whatever they want with that word but 
like I, I, I focus on older deer and I had for a long time Yeah. And in the Midwest. And I was just starting my, my journey in, into the, the, you know, the West, the mountains, but it was like, mm, I can do this. I, and that's, that's the last four by four I've killed. Every bull I've killed since then has been a mature bull. And, and I just keep setting the bar, bar higher for myself because I just want to see what I can do. And there's, there's a, there's a lot of things that, to come into play there. I mean, you, you, you know, it's one of the things I used to tell my buddies in Michigan here. It's like, you can't kill a big buck if they aren't here. Yeah, you have right. to, you have to get off your butt and either get the right permission mm-hmm. in, the, in some of our good little pockets, either in Leland County or Clara County, you know, some of these spots that are like, Ooh, there's, there's actually some chunks of ground. There's some mature deer here. You can't kill them if they don't, if they're not there. Right. Well, it's, it's the same mm-hmm. thing with elk and I've, and that's, you know, the game, the game evolves, but, um, and I still kind of consider myself a deer guy, but yeah, but I have been focusing the last couple of years a lot more on elk. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You've been crushing some big elk. I've been I've been seeing them. So <laughs> yeah, yeah. The last the last awesome. two years, I've I've killed uh, four bulls. Uh, I don't know what the average score would be, but you know they're all between three forty eight and three eighty three. So wow, that's incredible. Yeah, that's really awesome. Yeah, they're they're and, huge, man. Congrats on those. Yeah. And, and you know this would be a good pick and bones episode in the future alex we could talk about that term trophy hunter i think most of us to to some you know extent are trophy hunters even those guys those crusty old guys that uh shout at everybody on like all the uh, facebook hunting pages you know that are like uh oh you guys are so worried about antlers can't eat antlers that you know all that that stuff i guarantee yeah. you if you put a little like yeah. you know spike buck right next to uh you know 180 they're gonna shoot the 180 mm-hmm. you know and it's you're gonna shoot the 180 even if it's next to a 170 yeah yeah Go that's a better yeah that's a better way of saying it yep the, the, yeah we're, we're all trying to do the same thing kill the most mature older animal yep. that we can for whatever reason it is yep. but i mean for me it's just a challenge yeah um i mean they all taste the same unless they're really running up but yeah right right yeah. I, I can i can make sausage out of them that's right that's right that's yeah. right that's right so it's it's a you know it's it's fun hearing those early stories too the early you know our first our first success stories with with hunting are they're always a little messy and they always have these you know w- weird other details where we like are almost too embarrassed to like share every aspect of of those hunts you know i remember when i finally shot my first buck and i had to field dress by myself for the first time and i i started to like skin part of the buck when i thought i was like you know field dressing him and i realized wait a minute I'm just skinning this thing. I'm not actually like getting <laughs> getting to his guts, and I was so embarrassed when I took him to the to the processor because I know uh, when the processor got him, he'd be like, "What is going on here?" This deer's like, "What did you do to this thing?" <laughs> yeah, you know, and and uh, you know, it's just part of it though when you're when yeah. you're figuring it out and 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 getting into it. But that's what builds confidence too, because when you do it by yourself, then you you have that confidence to launch into the next thing and. But for most of us, it's like a, a, another year. For you, it was like ten minutes. You know, all right, time to time to head on to Montana and uh, go do this again. So, yeah, mm-hmm. that's that's pretty cool. But you've been you've been doing this now for basically, as you said, over a decade. You know, ten plus years. And uh, at the time, I just I re- well, so the first time I ever heard you on anything was when you went on Wired to Hunt. That must have been. Mm-hmm. 
what, 2018, something like that, 2019, back back in that time frame, I think. And the, first, the first time I talked with Mark was probably about, yeah, about four or five years ago. Yeah. yeah, and that's when I heard of you. And I think at that time you're like, yep, I'm a, you know, I'm a single guy. So I, you know, I get all my work done in the summer. I go out and scout for a month. And then I, then I just hunt, you know, basically mm-hmm. through the whole fall hunting season that is in the Western States. Mm-hmm. And since then you, you got married and, uh, yeah. you, uh, which I want to give you some, uh, some, uh, like a pat, a pat on the back here. Uh, <laughs> I always like how you post about how how uh awesome your wife is i think that's that's cool you know a lot of people they just uh kind of like gripe about their spouse but uh you, you, you truly appreciate your wife and and uh i think it's cool that that uh you do that you know it's a, it's it's good wholesome uh you know like like reminder to all of us hey be appreciative of the of, of the person that you're living your life with but yeah. um uh you know she must be pretty cool with the hunting thing she knew what she was getting into uh, has, has that changed things for you since, mm. since you yeah, got yeah. married? Well, first off, I married Wonder Woman. So like, it, it's easy to like post pictures of her when she's, you know, she's a, an 11 and I'm a, like a three and a half and <laughs> she, she owns two companies and she's a CFO of another and a CEO of another. And wow. she's like brilliant. Oh yeah. She's, she's a genius. Uh, wow. That's awesome. What she's doing with me. But, um, she went through a lot those, those first three years before or four years before I proposed, uh, there was one season where I drew the moose tag in Idaho. And in addition to kind of all my normal regular hunts that I kind of can draw every year. And I was gone for four and a half months straight without without, without going home, like no visits home, just on the road, living out of a truck in a tent day after day grinding. And she still stuck around. So, um, part of, part, part of me being here and turning that, archery nevada antelope tag in is to to work another two weeks and pay for the landlord voucher that i finally found and scraped up but yeah part of it too is to stay you know and i want to i want to stay married yeah <laughs> right right it's important and um I, I am breaking up this this year will be the first year you guys are the first to know it i really <laughs> haven't released this but um i'm actually breaking my trip up into three three segments this year so i'm gonna break it up wow so that, uh, i'll be gone uh uh well, even in a couple, like two weeks, uh, middle of August through September, uh, I have two elk tags. Hopefully, who knows what happens with that, right? I mean, I might, they might, I might be done the first week of September with both of them. And if that's the case, I mean, my next tag isn't until November 1. Mm. So mm. I will be leaving for that at the latest, you know, like third week of October. And then I'll have uh, two deer tags. Uh, out west one archery one rifle and then uh and then i'm home for a bit and then i actually am going to do uh i i drew a uh, on-range barbary tag in new mexico so i'll be doing oh, that in february cool. and nice and depending on what what is left open in arizona otc deer i'm gonna i'm gonna do that right before it so i'm kind of breaking mm-hmm. everything up into three stages so i can be home in between and you know i you know I, i've never denied the fact that i'm a very and when it comes to my passion, a very selfish guy. And she mm. knew that coming into it. Yeah. But you know, she's, 
she's important enough that I, I'm going to try to break it up this year and see how see how that goes. Yeah, yeah, good, good for you. That's I think that's good. Awesome. It's good to it's good to read the situation like that and adjust. You know that life is not static, and we have to yeah. make those little changes. And and uh, that's you know good for you because a lot of guys they just ignore it. You know they're like, yeah, well, I'm just going to go do what I always do, and they get themselves into a boatload of trouble. Do you ever? Find- he's got an eleven though, man. He's he's got. Yeah, pivots, that's right. So. That's right. <laughs> Do do you ever find yourself now, Tony? Like I, I fight this where I I almost settle because I feel that like uh, I've been doing this for weeks now and I've passed a few deer. Or, uh, I should I should just get this done, get this wrapped up, and get home. Do you do you feel that pull when mm. you're when you're out west? Like, yeah, I just need to take the next the next uh, you know shootable opportunity and and get home. For the most part, no. Uh, when I get to an, an area, and, and, and I'm realistic, right? Like you can't mm-hmm. kill a 380 bull in a, in a unit that right. has maxes out at 350. Um, if it's if it's an over the counter unit in Colorado, you know the, the bull I killed two years ago, uh, you aren't going to find many bulls over 350 in there. And mm-hmm. so when, I, when I find one, it's great. If a 335 had walked up, I'm probably considering it. But I'm not going to like I have uh, maybe like a, a range. Like uh, last year in Nevada, like you know, filming that hunt, I the bull that I was after, I didn't kill. He's still alive. Um, wow. And you got a really nice bull in Nevada. I've seen the picture. <laughs> that was that was probably you know I called him my number two in the video just because he was cool, but he was probably like a fourth or fifth highest scoring bull. Um, I I mean I was super super happy. Mm-hmm. I mean amazingly happy. I mean if you watch that film, I mean I, I was crying. I was so happy. Uh, but, and so settle in a ways, um, a little bit like, uh, like, like, um, like I'll, I'll set a parameter, like, you know, you know, the first day it's, 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 it's my number one, right? Like I've been mm-hmm. scouting and I put the time, I put the, the work in ahead of time so that I can have that number one, number two, number three. And maybe after, I mean, if you watch that, the, my hunt last year in Nevada, I mean, I literally hunted every single day of the season until the last day in, you know, scorching hot weather and just where it shouldn't be and like by halfway through that hunt i was ready for number two and then on the last four or five days i would have taken any of the top five Mm -hmm. but i'm not gonna kill something young no matter what i'm not i'm not gonna kill a young buck or a young bull Hmm. um it has to be something old and cool i just i've 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 killed enough i don't need to i don't need to kill the kill i don't need to stack up numbers that doesn't mean anything to me i don't i don't you know I, i eat a bunch of tags every year that no one knows about because I just, I'm not going to, I get no joy out of just killing a young buck. You know, I, mm-hmm. yeah. I was, when I was 12 years old to the time I was probably 20, I, I literally have a stack of like baskets of these little teeny Michigan buck racks that I mean, mm-hmm. like every yeah. single tag got filled and maybe moms and grandmas got filled too. I don't know. I might be, <laughs> you know, but like, you know, a lot of tags got filled. And I went through a lot of arrows, and none of those arrows matched. You know, they were all my dad's. Yeah, you know? yeah, yeah. It got my killing part out. Like I don't. I, so now it's you know I'm, I'm selective, and even if I'd, I'd rather go home with nothing, than, uh, than than kill something that I get up to, and I'm like, mm, you know, maybe I shouldn't have done that. Yeah, right. Um, no. I got plenty of meat in the freezer. I mean, uh, the guys at work can only eat so much on Friday barbecue days. It's 
that's right. I remember that now from our last episode. Oh, yeah. We've, we've, right. we've been barbecuing hard right now because we're on a big jet where I got all the guys together. So it's great. <laughs> so um, good. And, and you're trying to make room for this upcoming season in the in the freezer probably too, right? I have several employees that, that don't hunt anymore. And I might be I like, like they're like, why would I hunt? I just, I get elk for free, you know, for free. I, I just work for this grouchy guy named Tony. <laughs> that's, that's, uh, that's awesome that you're able to do that and share it with them. And, and, uh, yeah, they're eating, they're eating the high dollar food there. So that's, that's really, that's really good that you're able to do that. Well, you know, you do uh, another thing I really like about you is uh, you are I've gathered I don't think you've ever said this to me <clears throat> maybe you've said it elsewhere um I gather that you are an archery guy by like preference by heart you're a you're a bow hunter um but you do uh break out the boomsticks from time to time too you're not afraid mm-hmm. to you're not afraid to do a firearm heart firearm hunt and uh i like that about you because i think that that's you know there's something people always associate the word pure when it comes to hunting with bow hunting but to Hmm. me there's something pure about the motivations of a gun hunter too like they they're just wanting to be out there they may not have in your case you do have the skill to be a great bow hunter but a lot of guys like myself, you know, I'm not a great bow hunter. I, I, I bow hunt every year, but, uh, I'm a much more effective gun hunter. And it takes me back to when those first few years when I was getting into it. And, and, uh, where some guys would be like, Psh, I don't gun hunt anymore. You know, forget that, you know, I, I bow only or nothing, you know? And I don't know. I almost, I, it, it like takes you back to that, like almost childish enjoyment of of hunting that original excitement that you had and so I, I always appreciate that about you that you you are aren't shy about your gun hunting so um do you do you still pursue like rifle tags you know for late season hunts out west you typically well a lot of it depends on uh what reviews have been asked to do for rock slide too uh sure mm-hmm. there was a focus there a couple years ago because i i uh, was testing out a beautiful snowy mountain custom rifle and I still have it. It's amazing. And I'm actually really pumped to have this Wyoming deer tag that I'm, I could hunt. It's a general tag. So I could hunt, uh, the, the archery, but I've, I've got other tags during that time. So it will be a firearm hunt for me and I'm pretty stoked about it. Like, yeah. And there's something about struggling, you know, nothing makes you want to have a gun more than trying to hunt antelope with archery equipment. Mm-hmm. And I did that yes. last year. And <laughs> I mean, just, I mean, this, uh, the, the number of stocks I had on this beautiful, I mean, giant, giant New Mexico antelope that, I mean, I, you know, got lucky in the drawing and, and drew, uh, I, I think I had 25 stocks on him wow. and he wouldn't leave. He, he wouldn't leave this section of state property. It was like one mile by two miles. And I mean, he just wouldn't cross the fence. So the doe would leave, and he'd just be like, "Yeah, eh, I go lay down, and I get an stuck, and then I get an stuck, and there's wow. rattlers everywhere." And I'm getting—I mean, it was just like crazy. And I, I get to 100 yards, and he had a sixth sense. So, at that point, a gun hunt just really sounds really, <laughs> really nice. And I'm mm-hmm. really, I'm, you know, you, you give a, you give a, you give a guy that primarily, you know, 90, 80 percent of my, maybe 90. Lately, it's been 90 percent uh, of my hunts are archery. So when you give me a a rifle tag like it's just then it's just a game of hide and go seek so i find yeah. you 
Yeah, right, right. Especially with that tool. I mean, that, that tool and the way they taught me how to use it is absolutely amazing. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Um, but, but yeah, having one rifle, actually, I'll probably go after the, uh, the odd ad in New Mexico with, with a rifle too. So I actually have two rifle hunts this year. That's yeah. awesome. Yeah. In, in starting out as a kid, you know, like my parents trusted me. I, li- I grew up in the middle of nowhere. Like I didn't have another kid to play with within like three, four miles, which to wow. me was like end of the world. Right. Oh yeah. We were just yeah. completely rural. So my parents trusted me to go out and kill gophers and starlings and, and red squirrels before I could pull back a bow. So I literally started with a gun mm-hmm. when I was probably eight years old, shooting, shooting the pigeons, shooting the, the starlings, shooting red squirrels. And then, you know, I got my first, I remember my first bow it was an AMF. It was blue and white. It was one of the first like wheeled compound bows that had actually had like wheels on the ends and it had wheels and pulleys like at the, That's you know, awesome. on, the, on the riser. It was crazy. And we spray painted it camel colors and, cranked all the way down it was probably like 25 pounds and i had a mixed match of my dad's old bent uh arrows <laughs> he, he shot a, re- a recurve and i mean i just started shooting frogs and whatever but 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 it was probably i was probably 10 years old before i could really pull it back you know probably 30 pounds and, and so i i mean technically i kind of started with a with a gun um, my first deer in Michigan, you can't hunt at that time. You, when I grew up, you, you had to, you could be 12 in archery hunt, but, uh, 14 to rifle hunt, which kind of seems backwards to me, but, uh, <laughs> I, I killed, uh, you know, I killed a bunch of deer with a bow before I ever got to kill a deer with a gun. But, um, as far as like being alone in the woods with a weapon started with a rifle. Yeah. Yeah. I imagine that's probably how it is for, for most folks, you know, and uh, there's no reason to leave that behind. Um, I think it's, uh, I think it's really awesome to see people still do that and you get some great opportunities. Like you said, you know, that's, so I've, I have struggled as a, as a learning bow hunter, but I've like, I've done well with getting shot opportunities and stuff on, on good deer, but it's just like putting all the, putting it all together and the, you know, probably, I probably have a touch of target panic, you know, and, and just, you're still you know, learning to be proficient. And so then when it's time for like, I really love hunting the Iowa early muzzleloader season because mm. you're, bow, you're bow hunting with a muzzleloader and it's just, it's kind of like almost like it's relaxing. Okay. Yeah. yeah. If, if, if I get that opportunity now, then it's done, you know, it's game over because I, I have confidence in this. I've been shooting a BB gun since I was a little kid, you know, but yeah, it's, it's uh yeah, there's, like I said, I think there's just something pure about it. So I always appreciated that with you. Well, let's uh, talk a few uh, tactics here and then uh, we'll maybe get another story or two out of you. Um, uh, I love, uh, again, if, I would encourage listeners because we just don't have time to like dive into the full thing that Tony does, uh, for his, his, uh, going out West method. It's a, it's a, it's a whole process. And as he said, it's changed a little bit going into this year, but go back to that original episode with him. I think it's back in the twenties or thirties, something like that. And, um, and just check that out. Uh, he talks about how he, how he puts his whole trip together. Um, and his whole uh, rig, I guess you could say, with uh, yeah. with with the traveling freezers and the generator and flying home and leaving his truck in the parking lot type of thing. Uh, but uh, you can hear that whole thing. Go back to that episode. But for now, we're going to just kind of pick his brain on elk hunting because he's obviously a very good elk hunter. And so uh, you're, how many elk archery hunts do you generally do uh, a year? And it, are all of them pretty much just through the rut? 
I usually have a Colorado tag. Um, I, I apply for second choice for a hunt that I can typically draw. And if I don't, then, you know, in, a, in, a, in probably my first, boy, I've killed a bunch of bulls over the counter too. Um, I've only ever had uh, one limited entry elk tag in Colorado that I drew with a first choice. But I usually have one of those. <laughs> I'll always apply for Montana and Wyoming. So, you know, I usually go into a season with maybe minimum of two, sometimes three or four, but you know, I, it, I, I've learned through experience. It's really for, for the type of animal that I'm going after. That's too much. I need mm-hmm. to hone in my focus a little bit. One or two tags throughout the September season is more than enough for me. Um, that's why I returned that Montana general combo. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's just a, a plan. Um, I've killed great bulls on it. Yeah. But you know, I, I got a, I got a Colorado tag that I know I can dig up a, a good bull in 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 tin hunt, and then I, you know I found the voucher to to film uh, for that hunt. So two is two is just about right for me. I've never actually the latest I've ever hunted elk was in uh, October. Uh, yeah, mid 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 October. I've never never hunted them past that. I've been on other people's hunts after that uh, and helped them. And, uh, you know, if you're with, if you know the right guys and that, that they know the, where, where those bulls go when it gets really cold and snowy and you have the right stock to get in there, it can be an amazing experience, but I've never had a tag for myself. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah. That's yeah. So, so do you, when, let's just kind of go over, like you pull up, you, are you taking time to get camp set up right away and then you're hitting, hitting a, a spot where you can go glass or do you feel like you're hunting enough of these units multiple times that you got a pretty good idea where to go right away. I mean, how, how, what's your approach once, once a hunt starts? Depends on the area. There are areas that I, that I do have experience in that I know I can set up a central base camp and within that, you know, I can set up like, you know, truck, trailer, sunshades, beautiful, a beautiful camp. And I know that Mm -hmm. even if the first two or three spots I don't go to, eventually I'm going to find them and they're going to be within a hub of area and I'll use my truck and, and or an ATV to get to those trailheads uh, to, to, to hike up from there. And it makes for a perfect central location. There are other spots where, man, you know, I'm traveling 100 miles between mm. spots and in yeah. hours, hours, like a half a day to get from one spot where, you know, this unit might not really have a whole lot of elk in the entire thing they're spotty and they're in this little mountain range they're in this little mountain range but they are they're not everywhere and until i and, and those and those hunts um and this is more limited entry types type hunts too um you know typically the more elk there are in a unit this is at least what i've found you know those are those those are the hunts that give up more tags more opportunity mm-hmm. type hunts, and and there's elk just everywhere you know mm-hmm. think of the state of Montana for the most part, I mean, or, or Colorado, but you get into these, you know, like these Nevada tags, I've been fortunate enough to, to hunt that the elk aren't everywhere and mm-hmm. it takes some time to find them. And so I'm moving around mm-hmm. and bouncing around a lot and I do not set up a big camp until I know what I've found and where I'm at. Uh, but sure. for the most part, if, you know, if, if someone's starting hunting and they're, and they're going to Colorado or they're going to Montana or Wyoming, you know, talking to your biologists, talking to, you know, if you're a member at Hunting Fool or Epic or some or you know whatever, something like that, you're you're gonna you're gonna get an area like okay, this is a good spot to start, and and you can set up a base camp and go from there, uh, and then spike out 
once you once you pin them down but mm-hmm. it's, it's completely different in different areas man the the habitat sometimes just does not let them be everywhere and then sometimes they're everywhere in every elevation so sure it just depends on where you're at yeah yeah that's that's good to know and uh it's good to know too that uh a guy who has been doing it for as long as you have you still got to put in that work to find them i think uh oh, yeah. you mm-hmm. know if if all you guys like me who are wanting to get into elk hunting, you know, what, what do we do? We watch films on YouTube, you know, or rock slide. And, uh, we, we see, uh, you know, or go to the full draw film tour or whatever, you know, and you, you just see the good, you know, the, the good, happy ending and the rising action for those, those moments leading up to that. And, and then when we get there and it's not all clicking right away, we think it's hopeless. We think it's a lost cause. And then especially if you're like in one of your, you know, if it's one of your first hunts, you're going to start hanging out. Your morale is going to dip. So you're going to start hanging out too close to camp where your opportunities are just nil. And, mm-hmm. uh, you know, then you start talking, well, I could get home a little a day early and get this X, Y, and Z done and you're out of the game, you know. And so if you're listening to this and you are, you know, in my boat, I haven't hunted elk yet. I want to, planning to. Um, take what Tony said and be like, hey, even a guy like Tony has got to, he's got to sometimes go to plan, you know, C, D, E to get to oh. where he's going to, he's going to have an opportunity. So, yeah. No, it's the biggest part of elk is finding elk. You've, don't, don't just see sign and then keep hunting thinking, well, they're going to come back to here. It's, they aren't whitetails. They're not going to, they don't live in a 400 square acre, you know, thing, their whole area, mm-hmm. their whole life. They're they they could cover, you know, a bull can be 10, 15 miles from where he summered when he, once the rut comes and mm-hmm. you could be seeing all kinds of sign of him, but he's just not there. You got to cover ground. You got to, you got to find, you got to find the elk. Once you find them, uh, you know, it's a whole different ball game than deer, um, depending on how you want to hunt them. If you want to call, I mean, it can be super exciting. Uh, they're noisy. You don't have to be as quiet. I mean, there's all kinds of little things that are easier, but yeah. you have to find them. You can't, mm-hmm. you know, and, and they don't, they're a herd animal. They're going to be together. You might have little separate pods, but there's, they're very much different than deer in that way. Mm-hmm. Good, good. That's, that's really good advice. Okay. So, uh, coming to, uh, well, maybe let me ask you this way: Have you have you ever done that uh, Colorado fi- uh, muzzleloader uh, elk season? I think it's like, doesn't it run concurrent? It's in with, the rut. Yeah, mm-hmm. with archery season. Yeah. It goes on during the archery season. Yeah. I, yeah, and I've I've been there for probably just about every muzzleloader season for the last ten years. Uh, but I'm hunting with my with a bow. Mm-hmm. Um, I think I didn't hunt Colorado last year. I ate my tag. I just didn't didn't have time. Mm-hmm. But the year before, uh, when I killed that good bull in Colorado, it was during the the muzzleloader. I think it was the last day. It was the day after. I think it was the last day of muzzleloader. Um, right around there. But but yeah, no, it goes on at the same time as the archery hunt. So sure. Uh, but but they're easy to spot. They're wearing bright orange. Yeah. Um, 
yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so you've you've in a way participated in the season, but just not with a muzzle loader. Right. If you if you had a muzzle loader during that time, I mean, if, if it's during the rut, calling is going to be oh, yeah. the name of the game, right? But oh yeah, uh, would you would you basically do the exact same things you're doing at, uh, with archery season, uh, or would you uh, would you switch things up if you had a muzzle loader? So this is this is gonna this this question is so my answer is gonna be completely different from what I would suggest for anyone else to do. So because <laughs> I'm like like literally I'm hunting a, like that bull I got two years ago in Colorado, right at three fifty. I hunted him for two years. I this isn't this is the same over the unit that I shot my first bull over the counter in. Hmm. It's there's not a lot of those bulls running around, and I and I will literally have film and pictures of him two years in a row, and it was kind of him or nothing. I mean, like I said, if if, if a great bull had wandered in, I might have been tempted, but so it wasn't a fun hunt per se. In the fact that I didn't, I never had a morning hunt. I hunted mm. him for I forget how many days it was now, but like ten or twelve days before uh, I arrowed him and. I gave up every single morning hunt just to know where he was. So I would mm. climb another mountain opposite of him, this long range that he was on, where I could see about, you know, from my point, three and a half miles, four miles each direction. And I would find him. I would locate him. I'd wait for him to bed or, you know, I shouldn't say bed. They're, they're not like bedding out in the open, but they would disappear into a small section of pines. And I knew roughly where they were. And he started with 40 or 50 cows. And by the time I killed him, he had 70. Um <laughs> And I, I literally had a chance at him, I think nine out of the 10 days or 10 out of the 11 days, whatever it was, there was only one day that I never got an opportunity. I shouldn't say an opportunity at him. I got within a hundred yards of him and his cows. Mm. I knew exactly where they were, not exactly, but I knew roughly where they were. So I would literally like, after they settled down, I would go down off that mountain <laughs> up that side and then, wow. and then move in. And, but I guaranteed myself an afternoon play by that. And yeah. that's the only reason I came mm-hmm. By being in the, you know, like your typical archery hunt, you're going to want to, you know, for elk, you know, figure out where they're at, shadow the herd, stay close. A satellite bull or something's going to, you know, anyone on their first couple of hunts for elk, I'm going to advise to shoot the first legal elk you see, whether it's a cow, mm-hmm. whatever your tag is legal for. And you're, one of them is going to wander in your way. I mean, what I was doing in the way I tackle, uh, hunting elk is a little different because I'm, I'm literally picking out one or two bulls mm-hmm. one after them um so it's completely different it's not as fun uh i would suggest everybody else just get right in there with the calls and and i mean literally when, when a bull scream in your face you, i mean there's just, you're never going to forget the first time that happens yeah. it, it's pretty amazing but uh if if you're selective it's it's not the best way to kill a, 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 the one you're after hmm. that's that's really interesting i've never heard that that uh point of view before and i think you know there's another lesson in there where again going back to the youtube education which is great it's super helpful i mean think of how much youtube has lowered the learning curve for so many guys getting into hunting myself included but Mm -hmm. you kind of see oh this is the prescribed method you you call your brains out until you uh you know, get something to answer and then you make your move. Whereas Tony's like, oh, I know, I know the one I'm making a move on and I just got to yep. find him. Yep. And then, and calling's got nothing to do with it. And it probably, you know, saves, saves a lot of time to not be messing with that too, you know? So you lose your morning, but, but then once you've, 
you've you've laid eyes on him now you you know it's okay this is the the plan going forward where if you're calling you know half the time what do they call it a doug flutie when uh you know got hunters calling each other and and i imagine a lot of guys waste time chasing good callers and uh or just far off callers and uh whereas you and you you know where he is you you can make that move so that's actually even if you even if you don't have a specific bull that you're targeting I got to think that that could just work in general. If you almost treat it mm-hmm. like a, a late season hunt where mm-hmm. yeah, calling that's great. It's cool to experience, but that's not what I'm here to do. I'm just here to locate an animal. And yeah, that's, I like that a lot. Actually, that's, that's a great tip. It's not as, like I said, it's, you know, if you listen to Corey Jacobson or somebody like that, who just takes pride in their calling and they want that experience, you know, it's like the opposite. Like mm-hmm. I, I'm, I'm, I would imagine if, if I went, hunting with Corey or Phelps or one of those guys is just an amazing caller. Mm-hmm. It might completely change my point of view. And I just might want to have that experience if I learned how to do that. But I never, I never did. I just treated him like yeah. deer. And mm-hmm. then once I yes. get selective, it's like, well, this works a whole lot better than if I'm over on his hillside in the morning and I, I come in from the trailhead or wherever I'm backpacked. I mean, he was moving three to four miles. And one day he moved like, I mean, he moved eight miles, but I could wow. still see him from this other point. I would have never, I would have, I would have been out of the game all day long. Mm-hmm. That is such and a great doing tip. that for, for 10 days in a row. I might never even hear him, let alone see him Yeah. But by, by changing it up and just getting where I could see him. And then it, it was a lot of work. I mean, I don't know how much, how many vertical I gained and lost every day, but whatever. I, you know, I, I sit around in Michigan and all the way along, I got, I got weight to lose so I can do that. <laughs> yeah. That's, I, I, I love that tip. That is so, it's so practical and so logical. Yeah. I, I mean, I, I'm putting that in my little uh, bag of tricks. I don't feel like I got to be so invested in getting a, a call or something like that. You know, if I'm ever out there during the archery season, I'm going to definitely employ that method. So yeah, great, great advice there. Um, so as we we're just about to the hour mark here. So I'm going to ask you one more uh, question about elk hunting. And then, um, uh, then I'm going to ask you uh, about the craziest thing you've ever seen, uh, in the back country while you've uh, been on, been on your many hunts. Um, could be person related, could be animal related, could be, uh, I don't know, UFOs, aliens, Bigfoot, <laughs> but, uh, what, whatever you, whatever you got there for us. But, um, what do you do when nothing's working? Like if you're just not finding them, um, you know, maybe, maybe you're in a new unit or maybe even worse, you're in an old unit that you've been to many times and they aren't where they normally are, and that's when you really feel like scratching your head. Uh, what do you do when nothing's working? Keep looking. Try something new. Do what you're not doing. Uh, there's one one guy. You know, if I had a team of guys, whatever, it'd be different. But I'm but I'm alone, and mm-hmm. I, mean, I hardly ever hunt with anybody, so I can't cover it all. They're there mm-hmm. somewhere. I just just a matter of how much work I put in to find them, and I got nothing else to do. I'm not driving all the way home, you know. Yeah, that's yeah. a good attitude to have. 35 hours. So uh, it's just, you know, literally, you know, tools like Onyx, you know, in Google Earth are, I mean, I don't know if you've ever had Mark Livesey on your podcast, but mm-hmm. I would reach out to him. Okay. Line Academy. He's absolutely okay. amazing. There's nobody I've ever heard talk about scouting, e- e-scouting an area like Mark. He is ridiculous, and I learned a lot from him at the Western Hunter Summit last 
last year in there's so much that I don't even do, but, mm-hmm. but there's always somewhere where you can look. And yep. so I try to have those little spots marked when I'm at home. I, you know, I go out there, my onyx is just like peppered with glass here, glass here, glass here. And I color them a certain color to, if I haven't validated them, if I haven't looked at them, I haven't checked them out. And then once I have, yeah, I either delete them or they become a new color. Mm. And that means it was good. So there's always somewhere to go check. Right. Um, make yeah. make so many. I I put so many waypoints on my Onyx that I can't get to them all. Yeah. Literally, if every day all I did was, you know, I get there five days of scout and I scout five days, and then every single day of the season, all I do is keep scouting. I'm not gonna get to all of them. Mm-hmm. Just make yourself a map that you can't even. And then, I mean, when nothing's working, you got nothing to lose. Just they're out there somewhere. Keep yeah. looking for those spots. Yeah, love that attitude. Always, uh, always have another place to look, and uh, I think that you know, like you said, that's scouting during it's going while it's going on, but also scouting ahead of time, talking to, you know, talking. This would be a good time to plug Alex's uh, business. Alex uh, does mm-hmm. that. If you're a super busy person, maybe you're you're uh, running a company or entrepreneur and yeah, you just don't have, you know, you're working those 60, 70, 80 plus hour weeks. Um, have somebody like Alex making those phone calls for you, talking to guides, talking to people who are out there at that time, join, join you know, get on rock slides, see what people are seeing, get onto those Facebook groups. There's just so much information that's passed mm-hmm. around. Uh, Facebook has kind of become like the new like forum, you know, uh, yeah. you used to have all those old forums online and stuff. And some, there's still some of those that are, that are active and good information shared on there. But, um, you know, find a, find a way to get close to where people are, are sharing what they're seeing and what, you know, what, what's worked historically. And, and I think it's just a great, base but then once you're there now you got to put it together and if it's not working like you dreamed up no keep on trying don't don't go home early you spent all that time uh waiting to uh get there and and wanting to make it happen you don't want to quit early on it all right tony so uh as we wrap this one up uh first of all before before i ask you the crazy story i want to make sure uh how can people uh follow you is is instagram the best place yeah, yeah, I, I, I'm on Facebook, but I don't spend as much time on there. Everything that gets there comes through Instagram, sure. uh, and it's just my name uh, with an underscore in between Tony and Treach. Very good. So uh, follow him. You can find uh, his uh, handle in the show notes too. Uh, but all right, here we go, Tony. The craziest thing that uh, you've seen while hunting. You know, I try to stay away from people when I'm hunting. Uh, Amazingly enough, the the better bulls and bucks don't don't seem to like people, so I don't <laughs> get a whole lot of crazy interaction. Um, <laughs> I mean, I've had some like there was one hunt where this isn't my crazy thing, but this is just like a little this one hunt. I was uh, watching a really really big buck, um, like way over two hundred, and I was but the o- the only spot I could see him from was this complete wide open no shade. I was just cooking, but there was uh, these uh, willows. And they were about five foot tall. And I literally took my little knife and I, I made a cave in the side of these, like, in, like, so you're like coming from the side of these willows. And I just sat there with my spine scope watching, but it just happened to be about 15 feet off a trail. And I didn't realize on the weekends how many people walked up that trail. Like during the week, I hadn't seen anybody. And, yeah. but then I, here I am, you know, like 
the weekend comes and I'm like in there and people, I mean, I don't know. I must have, I must have like scared the crap out of 15 people. And then they get like, <laughs> you know, like trying to bag their 13 foot thousand peak or 14 foot thousand peak. And then there's this guy all dressed up in camel with a, with a big, you know, looks to them probably like a big camera lens or like right in their face. My spotting scope. Um, so I was the creepy thing for a lot of people probably uh, that they've found it. Like this guy just, and I just like, hi, just, just video and deer here. And they're like, ah. but um, he probably the, gave off that, know, that Rambo vibe, you know, where he's like hiding. Yeah. Yeah. Twig stuck in the out. back of my head, you know, <laughs> yeah. um, in my shirt. So, but the, I, you know, I, I try to think I've actually found, I was just telling my wife about this. I found, I found a, uh, in a good way, a good thing, crazy thing to find a memorial to a young fireman in Colorado up in the, the high mm. country, uh, like in the middle of nowhere, mm. they put a plaque and some, uh, some decorations. And it was even like a bottle of, uh, uh, must've been his favorite whiskey, uh, mm. tucked underneath, like, in, like in the stump, like it was this really cool thing. And I, I, I went there that one time, and, but they had a little like plaque about, you know, how he, you know, lived his life and how he lost it. And, uh, he must've loved the mountains. Um, mm. The the craziest thing that that was on the bad side that I've ever seen would have been uh, I was scouting for deer in Colorado and watching a very large group of elk. There was some deer off to the side too, but I was just you know I just got there was getting set up. There was just tons of elk. Like mm-hmm. I bet there was three hundred to four hundred cows and calves and raghorns, and all of a sudden all these these elk just start like mass excavation or evacuation i mean uh like off the side of the mountain i mean mm. it's like and up over the horizon of the peak that was next to me comes a helicopter and with bright red white and blue like uh signage and stuff on the side and i'm videoscoping you know digitoscoping the whole thing so i put him in the thing and i got all his numbers and everything on it and he pushed that whole you know that whole herd of elk and deer off the mountain like down into the timber Whoa. yeah i mean Oh yeah, it was super sketchy and like flying pretty close. I mean, I bet he was probably less than a hundred feet off the ground. Wow! And he was obviously like, like he went the direction the elk went. Mm-hmm. So my next trip out of town, uh, out of the out of the woods to town, I I had already you know reached out to the the local warden, uh, which I usually do um, to pick his brain. And I texted him. I said, I think I've got something you you want. And we met. And I I you know airdrop the the video to him and uh i think it was actually it was probably the third or fourth day of the season because i don't think i killed my buck until the eighth day of the season that year and he he knew where i was camping in, in my base camp and he uh he was there one day when i got back uh, at night and he said he's like i just wanted to let you know i figured out who that was because like when i gave when i airdropped him that video he literally headed right to the airport like he's like i'm gonna get to the bottom of this um <laughs> And it was the Colorado biologists. It was the sheep biologists doing their hmm. yearly count. Oh. But apparently they hadn't quite educated the new pilot on uh, how close to be to the animals, and especially <laughs> when you're looking for sheep oh. and you're chasing around elk. Yeah, right. Um, I still have the footage. I mean, it, it's it's they, they were not looking for sheep. Um, yeah, and he was not—he was not happy with uh, with them either. It's like, like, like I, it was his own people, but I don't think they got off clean on it. So, they yeah, probably got 
commanded. Yeah, that's good. That's, crazy. You know, that's probably the craziest thing I've ever that, seen. Was that is crazy. Helicopters chasing elk. Yeah, all of a sudden you're in the middle of nowhere, and then what in the world is going on? Yeah, that would yeah. that freak me out for sure. But yeah, some awesome things you've seen, and uh, that's a that's another challenge to everyone. The more times you get to spend outside, the more crazy stuff you get to see, both good and bad. But, totally. uh, but, uh, <laughs> you know, hopefully more, hopefully more good than bad. And also a good reminder, if you see something that is sketchy, report it. Um, yeah. just heard, uh, had a friend tell me about some, uh, uh, crazy poaching kind of thing going on in their area, which, uh, um, you know, uh, is like, <laughs> has, has anyone, uh, said anything? I don't think so. And, and uh, he was like, he was he was uh, planning to uh, do something about it. So, you know, mm. that's our that's part of our duty as uh, if you're going to be considered an ethical hunter. It, it, you know, it's not just yep. not doing what's wrong. It's when you see something that's wrong, you uh, help it be made right. And so, yep. yeah, good on you for doing that, Tony. That's that's great. Well, Alex and uh, Tony, thank you so much for joining me for this episode. Remember, this podcast is presented by Spartan Forge. I really appreciate all you listeners tuning in and, uh, you know, coming back every week. And uh, Spartan Forge uh, thinks what we're doing is valuable. You must think what we're doing is valuable because you keep listening. So I appreciate that. Um, I would strongly recommend you check out their app. You can download the app for free. And it has all sorts of additional uh, features for this upcoming deer season, specifically the deer behavior uh, prediction app. And I think, uh, you know, I mentioned this in a recent uh, commercial I've done for Spartan Forge, but I think a lot of people look at that as, oh, is it only a, f- a full range day? You know, are these are the deer, based on the conditions in your area, are they predicted to only be, you know, up and moving around? Is that the only day I'm going to hunt? But if you are have targeted a specific buck and you know where he's betting, um, those core area days I think are super valuable as well. So don't overlook those and uh, Spartan Forge can help you figure that out. And it is based on radio collar data, thousands of years of compiled radio collar data, which means just, you know, we haven't had radio collars for thousands of years, just have a lot of deer that are wearing collars <laughs> add up to thousands of years. So if you ever wonder what, what that's about, um, these, yeah, anyways, uh, the, the other, the other thing that I want to remind you of too, is that Alex is a sponsor of this podcast too. Not only does he co-host for me often, um, but he, uh, sponsors the show. He believes in what we're doing too. And, uh, he has spent a lot of time out West as well. He's got several tags that he's going to be uh trying to fill this season like he does every season he's hunted all over the place if you heard his muskox episode that we had several episodes ago where he went all the way up into uh, the arctic circle um all by himself and uh chased after muskox you can see just what length he's willing to go to to get a good hunt and he will do the same for you and his hunt for that muskox required a ton of planning he will go to that same level of detail for your hunt and uh, he'll help you with some of the stuff that tony talked about with uh, getting that information talking to wardens beforehand Uh, alex does all of that too and that's why so many people that work with alex end up having a successful hunt you don't want to spend all this vacation time money everything else brownie points at home 
and then get there and not have any opportunities. You want to be able to, to do well, and you'll figure it out more as you go to, but Alex helps you cut down that learning curve. So definitely talk to Alex. Go to eastwesthunts.com. Tell him that I sent you there. You can use the promo code FIRSTGEN10. You'll save yourself 10% off of any services booked with him, gear rentals, um, hunt planning, tag app tag apps, whatever it is that you decide to do with Alex. And he's not going to just, you know, take your money and uh, not have it, you know, any direct interaction with you. He's going to do a screening call, make sure this is the right thing for you, make sure you're on the same page. It's a full service thing, so definitely talk to Alex. And then uh, our newest sponsor, Old Barn Taxidermy, uh, world-renowned taxidermy work done by uh, uh, Sam, who has been in the business for a very long time um, and has trained a lot of other great taxidermists through his decades of work. And Sam has hunted all over the world and uh, has a real eye for how to make a trophy look as good as uh, as good as it can. And uh, you can uh, go to their website, which is in the show notes as well, and uh, you can uh, see just exactly what they have going on and get an idea of the price. Um, I, I was talking to Sam just to give you a little testimony of the kind of guy that he is. So the national average for a shoulder mount for a deer right now, I believe, is around $900. Uh, here in Iowa at Old Barn, Sam charges six ninety five, And he said, he said, the reason I do that is because I know that I have a lot of guys that shoot a nice buck and they make $18 an hour. How can I charge them? Uh, you know, I, I, he's like, I just don't feel good about charging that much. He's like, I have so much business. They do over 500 deer a year, and plus they do elk, and they do bears, and they do mountain lions and, and turkeys and waterfowl and all sorts of stuff. He's like, I get enough business. I got There's enough meat on the bone for me. I don't need to be charging guys more than this. And uh, that just kind of gives you an idea of the kind of guy that Sam is. So definitely check them out. They do incredible work. Don't get bad taxidermy. You'll always regret it. Uh, there's plenty of bad taxidermy sitting out there. And every time you look at it, you're going to be like, Ew. and your wife probably won't let you hang it on the wall either. So uh, definitely get it done the right way. Go to Old Barn Taxidermy and do that. But thank you so much, everyone, for tuning in. Thank you again to Tony and Alex for participating in this one. It's great talking with you guys again. And uh, until next time, everyone, take care and take someone hunting.